1: Berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
0: Welcome to Practically Happy, the podcast that helps you apply the science of well-being to your everyday life. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson, a master of applied positive psychology, here to help you access some strategies for lasting happiness and fulfillment. Each week we'll dive deep into the latest research and insights from the world of positive psychology. But this isn't just another academic lecture. Practically happy is about getting practical. I will share how you might apply these findings to your everyday life so you can experience real and tangible improvements in your happiness. As a wife and mom of three, I understand the challenges of juggling a busy family life while striving for personal well-being. That's why I'll also be sharing my own stories and experiences along the way. Because let's face it, life can get messy. Through it all, we can find and create intentional moments of joy. So whether you're looking for ways to boost your mood, improve your relationships, or simply add more enjoyment to your daily routines, Practically Happy is your guide to a practical happy life. Hello, welcome back to Practically Happy. This is episode number 264 it's the perfect time of year to talk about making lasting memories. I'm pulling a favorite episode from the archives from season three, all about how to make lasting memories through some research-based practices. And this episode aired in December of 2020. It was the same holiday season, and I had just finished a book that was really impactful about how to have special moments and engineer them not in a contrived way, but just in a thoughtful and intentional way so that they are memorable and delightful and something that you want to return to over and over again. I think, especially as parents, even if you don't have kids, this is a time of year where we're thinking about how to intentionally and impactfully share positive emotions with other people. We want to share in community, peace and love and joy and comfort we want to maybe surprise delight uh, share little bits of joy and and excitement with people through the gifts that we share and the magic of the season and research shows some interesting patterns to the way that our brains really soak in those memorable moments I share three really specific ways to think about creating memories, and they're simple, simple tweaks that you can do to plans that you already have that encourage a little bit more of that that soak deep into your brain and make these experiences things that you'll look look back on fondly that become sort of anchor experiences in your life, which is really, really fun. Before I get started sharing the Encore episode, I want to share a couple peaks of the week. (music) After taking a pretty solid year off of cooking, because I was in school, my husband took over all of the food-related activities and duties at our household for the last year. And I love to cook. I love to cook. I love to bake. I love to experiment in the kitchen. I really love to eat. So it has been fun to dip back into creating meals for my family. And as we've been in the holiday season, I've been thinking a lot about some fun recipes that I love for this time of year I love baking my kids like to get in on it with me so it's been really fun to reacquaint myself with my own kitchen and a couple weeks ago the New York Times sent me an article with their 10 holiday cookie recipes one of my favorite food writers of all time is Mark Bittman and he wrote for the Times for years maybe he still does on occasion so I've paid attention to the New York Times food for 20 years this article was really fun and of course now they have these great pictures and they even have video tutorials where each of the the chefs creating the recipe will walk you through the steps themselves a couple of them jumped out at me immediately and so i've made them now twice and then i have another favorite childhood recipe to share with you today so i'm just going to share three favorite recipes these are my peaks of the week the first one is on the new york times they call it lemon curls they're a lemon shortbread cookie with just a very subtle glaze, lemon glaze. I prefer lime to lemon a lot of the time, and I had a whole bag of limes on hand, so I substituted limes for lemons. I also, rather than piping the dough onto my cookie sheets, my dough was a little thick for that, and so I ended up freezing it in a log, or not freezing it, but cooling it, chilling it into a log so that I could cut it into even little thin circles, and I also went the extra mile and added some fresh raspberries to my lime glaze so they ended up being this really beautifully pink glaze with little pops of you know like raspberry juicy bits on top lime raspberry shortbread cookies i will link the recipe in the show notes for the original lemon curls they're just a delightfully citrus lightweight buttery but not like heavy crunchy shortbread with this delicate glaze, they're phenomenal. If you love like a melt-in-your-mouth cookie, and I think citrus is so fun in the winter, this is an excellent recipe. The next one is a gingerbread blondie. This recipe immediately jumped out at me as well. I love gingerbread. I grew up eating those grandma's glazed gingerbread cookies like from the gas station. (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? They're these crunchy little gingerbread cookies. They're probably a little bit bigger than a quarter and they have this white icing and they were one of my favorite cookies so this blondie recipe is like a gingerbread cake in a brownie pan with the texture of fudge and It turned out delicious. It it was really, really good. The first few steps, it feels like you're almost making caramels, the way you caramelize the butter and add sugar and corn syrup. And then you add in the flour and all of the spices. I wasn't able to, I didn't have fresh ginger on hand. So I chopped up some candied ginger that I bought when I was in Morocco this spring. And it just added that little kick, a little, you know, crunchy kick. Delicious. Highly recommend. And it's just like the ultimate christmas time flavor so gingerbread shortbread i'll also link that in the show notes and then i had this weird experience a few nights ago i woke up i I was kind of you know having a dream who knows what the dream was about but i woke up with this visceral craving for sweet coconut snack mix this I think a lot of people know about or have eaten, you know, kind of like Muddy Buddies. There's like this whole other version of this coconut almond Chex mix. It's like a coated snack mix. And I would eat it all the time at my best friend growing up. Her mom would make this and it wasn't just a holiday food. We would walk across the street from our middle school to her house and walk in drop our backpacks and go to the kitchen and there would be a big bowl of this snack mix sitting on the counter and we'd just munch away at it as we chatted and worked on homework and made plans for the weekend and it's just such a fun memory for me I texted her and said hey send me that recipe this recipe is simple it's delicious it's giftable this is what I'm packing up into little gift bags for my neighbors this year for just a a little holiday greeting And if you haven't made it before, you'll probably really like it. I do make one modification to the recipe that I will link. I love to add flaky sea salt on top as well. And to make it holiday inspired, I added some glitter sprinkles. So like edible glitter. So it's kind of shimmery and it looks really pretty. So I hope that you enjoy one or more of these recipes during your holiday season or beyond. And I will link those all in the show notes. Those are my peaks of the week. (music) Now I'm going to turn you over to my past self. I hope you enjoy this episode about making memories that last.
1: We are in the thick of the holiday season. This is the time of year that we really want to, I think, A lot of us really want to create lasting memories. We want to have these experiences that are getting magical and beautiful and that we'll remember, that our kids will remember, that will feel really wonderful not only now, but also in the future as we look back on them. And I've been fascinated to learn a little bit about how our brains remember things what we naturally are more inclined to remember, and that there are some specific things that we can do to sort of engineer memories, to engineer experiences to become more memorable than they would otherwise be. And these are all really simple things. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you might recognize some of the same ideas and concepts that I shared in episode 110 about creating magic in minimalism. Because without even knowing it, just naturally, some of these things are things that we do and ideas that I've had anyway. I'm excited to share a couple specific things today that you can do as you're thinking about the holiday season and how to create lasting, wonderful, magical memories with your families. A couple things you can do or take into consideration as you plan. A couple years ago, I was painting the cabinets in my kitchen. We had just bought our house that we live in now. We were living in a rental house a couple miles away, and I spent probably two full weeks by myself, you know, in and out of our house, painting our cabinet doors. We had ordered these raw wood, doors and they needed to be painted and I took on the project myself and so it was like several layers of primer and then a couple layers of this thick enamel that's so beautiful and they turned out so pretty. If you've seen pictures in my kitchen, we have this really fun green lower cabinet bank and then uh, white cabinets everywhere else and open shelving. It was a really fun project. It took forever and during the time that I was spraying and spraying and spraying, I was listening to audiobooks. I probably listened to 10 in the two-week period. And it's not surprising that one of the most memorable books that I listened to was about memories. (laughs) This book is called The Power of Moments, and I'll link it in the show notes if you want to check it out and, and read more about it. I was so fascinated as I listened to the way that the authors described how our brain picks up on different things that it recognizes as important and why it does that. What makes something different than, you know, all of the background noise of our regular lives, which in some ways it's just for preservation that our brains simply cannot take every single detail in and consider it all important. We would be overstimulated all of the time. So our brain has to filter out what are the things that I should be paying attention to and acknowledging and everything else is just going to kind of settle to the bottom. They sh- share some research about what it is that our brains actually want to pick up on and what they pay attention to and then give some ideas for how we can actually engineer and create some defining moments in our own lives and the lives of our families. They also talk about kind of a work context that I won't touch on here but how to, you know, create some more memorable moments within a work context the first thing that I thought was so important to acknowledge is that we can create our own defining moments. We can create them if we understand and are aware of this idea. It really can become empowering to think that just by tweaking something a little bit, by adding a level of intention, a layer of intention, we can come away from some of our experiences with a lot more meaning with a lot more hope with a lot more joy with a lot more enthusiasm when i was thinking about this it caused me to just reflect for a a little while on some of the magical or memorable moments from my own life and i kind of just sorted through like what are some of the things that i remember about being a child about my teenage years about my college years about early marriage you know just kind of like like one of those Hallmark movie montages of your life, <laughs> you know, scanning your life from the beginning to where you are now. And what would be in that if you did that? Like, imagine, close your eyes for a minute. I'm just going to invite you to do this as you're listening. Just imagine that someone was playing a Hallmark movie of your life. And they, you know, were taking clips from all different time frames in your experience. What would jump out? What would be the highlights and the lowlights? What would be the memories? What are the things that come to mind as defining moments of your life? I'm going to give you just a minute or two to think through that while you're here because I want you to actually do it. So not like a full minute. I'm going to give you maybe like 30 seconds. Actually, let me put on some music. Here's the music to the Hallmark movie of your life. Go. Welcome back. I hope that was a fun montage that you had in your head. When I do that exercise, one of the first memories that comes to mind for me is when I went backpacking for the very first time as a child. I'm guessing I was around eight or nine years old. My dad took my older sister and my younger brother and me up to somewhere in the Uinta Mountains. And we went to a lake, and we set up our tents, and we went fishing. That was maybe the only time in my whole life that I remember going fishing. And my older sister caught a fish, and I remember that we breaded it in cornmeal, and we cooked it over the fire. And one of the other really memorable things for me, and this is so silly, but it's such a fun detail, was that my dad had, had brought this instant pudding package. And, you know, backpacking, you want to... you know carried only light things and so the instant pudding packet was powder and we mixed it with I don't know maybe some powdered milk and then filtered water and he had had also brought a pie crust like a a graham cracker pre-made crust and so out in the middle of the mountains next to this lake we we made a chocolate pudding pie and then just as like a perfect final detail he had brought a package of reese's pieces and we sprinkled reese's pieces all over the chocolate pudding pie before we ate it i don't know why i mean why of all of the millions of memories from my childhood why did that one stand out as something special and magical i love that memory Another memory that comes to mind in the montage of my life is when I got engaged. Now, this is of course a really heightened emotional moment, right? It's a connective moment, and there was something so special about this. I may have shared this story before. I'll give you a shortened version. Dave and I went on a hike up to the top of Mount Timpanogos, which is a tall mountain in Utah County, in Utah. We hiked up the night before starting in the afternoon we got to the uh, saddle in the evening like around 9 or 10 at night and we we slept in sleeping bags out in the saddle it was freezing cold colder than we expected we woke up at like 3 or 4 in the morning to make the rest of the hike up to the summit because we wanted to be to the summit for the sunrise. Now, we thought we were going to be really unique in this idea. No, we were not. That We woke up and there were like a line of Boy Scout troops and, <laughs> and college students all with headlamps on. It was like a cattle drive all the way to the summit. And right as the sun was about to rise, we stepped off the trail uh, and found a spot where we could be. A little bit more alone, not like in the middle of with people in front of us and behind us we sat down and I kept telling Dave to come over and sit with me he like he, he wouldn't stay still he just kept going over to his backpack and coming back and I, I had of course no idea what was happening and I thought what is he doing? He's gonna miss the sunrise and I remember feeling a little bit like annoyed like he's just gonna miss the sunrise we did this whole hike and he's gonna be over there fiddling with his backpack during the sunrise. And all of a sudden, music started to play. Actual audible music, which turns out was coming from the CD player. Now, we <laughs> we got engaged in 2006. He didn't have an iPod. So he had brought an, a little CD player in the bottom of his backpack with a CD inside of it. And he pressed play. <laughs> this seems so old now. I love it. He pressed play. On the song It's a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. And as the sun rose, we listened to this song, and he came over and sat next to me and, you know, brought out a box and told me that he wanted to spend all the rest of his sunrises with me. And would I marry him? Of course, I said yes. And the rest is history. We're going on 15 years. That moment, though, I think about all of the specific intention that went into that moment beyond the heightened emotional state of the connection of getting engaged to someone that I was in love with and am in love with, the details make it really specifically memorable. And as I reverse engineer it, according to some of the things that I learned uh, in this book, The Power of Moments, I realized that it's not by mistake, it's by design that, that a moment like that feels really impactful to me as you think through some of your own moments your own memories from your life uh, i want you to to balance them against these three ideas that i'm going to share for how to make or create lasting memories and i'm curious if you'll be surprised how many of these elements or these ideas are present in the memories that are the very most memorable to you first I want to share just a couple general ideas about memories uh, that I thought were really fascinating one of them is so powerful and this is that most of the details of our lives don't matter now they may matter in the moment you may feel like they matter a whole lot but when you consider from a memory standpoint a looking back Most of the specific details of things don't matter that much. They turn into background. The things that we do remember from an experience or an event is usually, one, the best or worst moment, and two, the ending. Now think about that. As you're thinking about the holidays coming up and and preparing for events and for activities and maybe even just something as simple as uh, lighting Hanukkah candles or Christmas morning itself, think about, you know, parents go to great lengths to make sure that there's just, that every part of this feels magical. And it can be kind of a load off to recognize that if there's one really great moment and the ending feels uh, feels intentional or feels special that all of the rest you know, is like great. It's It's fine. It doesn't matter as much as we think it does though. I think a lot of times we focus so much on the beginning and the middle. And sometimes I know in events that I've planned in the past, I sort of like, oh, we got through it all, yay. And then the end just sort of fizzles out. And the ending is a chance to really, to really... Create some some magic. I think of some little things, like restaurants that give you some mints with the check. Just like a, a simple thing like that keeps the the high energy or the interest level, the gratitude maybe that you feel. Uh, it, it maintains it through the end. That the end of the experience is is really nice. A lot of Parties, uh, events, birthdays, weddings, a lot of things like this. Just general, like in the events world, you can think of how a lot of those situations send you away with something. So you take a little piece of the event home with you. And while maybe whatever it is that you take doesn't matter very much, the idea that you are given something, uh, something special, something thoughtful at the end of an event helps you to feel like the end Itself is a high note that you end on a high note even something as simple as my children's piano teacher right now They're doing virtual piano lessons, but for the last couple years They've done in-person lessons, and hopefully at some point we'll get back to that he brings the the kids a little treat, like a Jolly Rancher. And so no matter what the lesson is like, sometimes
0: they're great. He has a lot of patience, I'll tell you that.
1: Most of the time, like 90% of the time, they get a Jolly Rancher or like a dum-dum or some sort of little treat at the end of their lesson. And they look forward to that. They know that no matter what happens in the lesson, how hard it might be or how frustrated they might feel. That ending with that treat is kind of like a treat and a high five, and they're out the door to go play, and they have a good taste in their mouth (pun intended) uh, about their lesson. I think this makes sense, right? You understand that there's something really special about the end. We remember the end, whether it's bad or good. You know, the end sort of can leave a lasting impression that feels hopeful, or it can leave a lasting impression that you know things sort of went downhill. A couple years ago, Dave and I recognized that our Christmas morning, although they've always been min- minimal and magical and we've really loved them, sometimes we sort of would finish unwrapping presents or looking through stockings and just sort of all stare at each other like, okay, what now? Like, what's next? We, there was so much focus on the beginning of the day that the rest of the day felt so weird sometimes. And so we decided that we would have a couple specific things that we did for Christmas day itself so you know we have a a wonderful you know simple Christmas morning like many people do and then we move right into an activity we have a great brunch and then we like to decorate gingerbread houses and so normally we had done that like at other times during the season we decided why not reserve that for Christmas Christmas day itself or the afternoon when we have some time to like do something that we're not all just sort of wondering what comes next There's all sorts of different ways to intentionally create an end that feels really fun. And as far as the best and worst moments, you know, sometimes we can't, we don't know what that's going to be. And the uh, one piece of advice that I really liked from The Power of Moments was the idea that The worst moments are the pits, and the best moments are the peaks. And actually, I've shared on the podcast before how our family at dinner likes to go around and ask about the pits and the peaks of people's day. It's one of the things we do to kind of create a connective conversation at dinner time. So the authors recommend to fill the pits and build the peaks. I loved this idea, filling the pit. So as, as you kind of, this is something that just comes with practice as you recognize like what are the things that might go wrong, that could go wrong, that possibly go wrong in the course of a day or an experience or, or an activity and consciously prepare for those so that they aren't so bad. You know, even something bad doesn't have to be that bad. A lot of times we'll stumble into a pit and then we make it worse by getting angry or feeling bad about it and we like dig down deeper. <laughs> We dig ourselves down further in the pit that we are in rather than trying to fill it up and make it a little bit less bad. Uh, And the other thing that is is so interesting is that the peaks aren't natural. And that's something that we sometimes need to recognize that uh, it's really important to consider how to make things great. That, I mean, we can do a really good job of paying attention to the good things that happen. And it's well within our power to create good things, to build peaks, to make positive experiences through the way that we plan and interact and, uh, and create ideas. So as you're considering some of the experiences that you would like to be good, anticipate what are some of the things that could go wrong and how will I prepare so that they're not so bad, that even if the, the bad things happen, they're not so bad. I mean, an example of this that's kind of silly is to have really cute Band-Aids. Like if your kids are going to scrape their knees or, you know, get a paper cut, it's you – can't, you can't necessarily like avoid all of that, right? Like even if they're safe, they may from time to time – if they're like my kids, they may from time to time get a bump or a bruise. One thing that makes getting a little bit hurt not quite so bad is to have a really fun Band-Aid. And uh, my mother-in-law a couple years ago gave us a first aid kit, this really cute like box. It's a metal first aid kit and it was filled with Hershey Kisses. And so for months after that, I haven't restocked it, which as I'm saying this, I'm like, oh, I need to restock that with with Hershey Kisses. For months after that, whenever my kids got hurt, they would get a fun Band-Aid because I like to buy... I mean, the dollar store has cute ones. Uh, there, there's a lot of like, it doesn't have to be this big expensive thing. There can be these really cute, they like princess band-aids and they have like the cool like emoji band-aids and having a fun band-aid makes a bad thing not quite as bad. And then adding a Hershey kiss to that, that makes it almost that like, man, every time I scrape my knee... I get this, I have this really fun experience, and that is an, an idea, just a simple idea that is an example of filling a pit, something that you can anticipate that probably will happen at some point and how to make it not that bad. And then the next three things that I'm going to share, these three specific ideas for creating these memorable moments, these are ways that you can build the peaks, that you can make something bigger, better, more memorable, more fun, and more exciting. Idea number one is to boost the senses, boost the senses. So the things that would naturally appear a certain way, smell a certain way, taste a certain way, the idea number one is to boost that, to enhance it. The first thing that comes to mind when I think about this is a story that I heard years ago about the ice cream company, Ben and Jerry's. We all love Ben and Jerry's, right? Well, one little known fact is that one of the co-founders, Ben, has almost no sense of smell. So when he was developing recipes back in the 70s in their gas station, he would add flavor until he could taste it. Now, you know that your smell and your taste are are connected. So he ended up adding double, triple, quadruple the amount of flavor that a recipe might call for or that any other ice cream maker might have added. And this was one of the secrets to the early success of Ben & Jerry's that their ice cream was much more flavorful Much more interesting than anything else on the market. It boosted the senses in a way that was a little bit unexpected and so delicious. Now, it makes me think a little bit as well of my engagement story that, you know, up on a mountaintop at the sunrise is a really beautiful place to be. There's a lot to see, there's a lot to feel. And he added an element of what we heard, what we could hear by. Bringing a CD player and turning on music, boosting the senses. I think that this boost in senses is one of the reasons that people really like to decorate for the holidays because what does that do? It enlivens our senses. It helps us see things and smell things. I love to light scented candles at home almost all the time because it instantly brings this coziness and warmth into the experience. So when you think about creating a memory, consider it from the five senses. What are you going to see, hear, taste, touch, smell? Is there a way that you can boost one of those or, or more of those in a, in a simple way, but that adds sort of this extra element of sensory experience? I think there's a lot of fun ways to play with this one and I know that using our senses is how I like to stay present in my life and so just being a little bit more intentional and creative about how we uh, consider our senses as we're building memories and building experiences for ourselves and our families is a great place to start. Okay, let's talk about number two. Number two is to raise the stakes of the experience. One of the ways that you raise the stakes is by Putting some element of time in it where it sort of becomes like a short amount of time. And so uh, everything else happens at a heightened emotional level. One uh, memory that I have that feels like it was, you know, boosted by this raising the stakes was a couple years ago, Dave and I were at Top Golf with a couple couples, with some friends back in the days when you could go on dates with people. It was really fun. Well, we had played a couple rounds just with the regular different games they have different games there and so we were playing these rounds where we were trying to aim for different circles out on the big field whatever it's called course (laughs) and for the last round it looked like our time in our bay was almost up we had like 10 minutes left and there were six of us and we all wanted to play one more time but we didn't want to raise our time limit on the bay and so we decided that we were going to do a speed round and it was so funny I mean this was my favorite part it ended up being the best part of the entire like two hours that we sat there the last 10 minutes was our very favorite part because we increased the time limit which raised the stakes when we were playing no one was even aiming anymore I mean we were aiming but we weren't looking we didn't see where the balls were going we were just hitting one after another and the most hilarious thing about this was that all of us, almost all of us got a better score when we were not setting up and taking the time and like lining up and aiming and paying attention. We got a better score just hitting on instinct than we had, you know, for, for the rounds and rounds and rounds we had played before that. Another example of raising the stakes by gamifying, by turning whatever the experience is into a game itself was a couple weeks ago, I was doing a lesson on nutrition with my kids for homeschool now this is very much my wheelhouse I worked for five years as a diabetes educator with a focus on nutrition and so it was really fun for me to have a big poster and we were talking about proteins and carbohydrates and fruits and vegetables and what they do for our bodies and the quantities you know in which we're recommended to eat them and balance them with each other and just to reinforce the principle I decided this was just off the top of my head randomly I was like okay now to wrap this up Plum, run to the kitchen, get a dairy product. Milo, run to the kitchen and get a protein that is not from an animal. Elliot, run to the kitchen and get a fruit or a vegetable. And they kept, we just went on for maybe 10 minutes that they would run in and bring the thing and I'd say, high five. Okay, go put it back and now get a legume. And then they came back and okay, high five, go to the kitchen and now find something that is a fat. It turned what was probably for them a relatively boring lesson on food. (laughs) <laughs> into this really fun experience and we were all laughing and they were like oh like bumping into each other as they ran back and forth with all the different food products and it really reinforced the idea because then not only were they learning about it but they were actually like having to identify these things they also just were having so much fun it got them up out of their seats we were running around we were having a lot of fun together and this regular lesson turned into a memorable lesson. So for number two, consider some of the ways that you can raise the stakes on the experience which heightens the emotional connection to the experience itself. You know, some obvious things that raise the stakes are some of the more traditional adventure style uh, categories of like bungee jumping or going off the high dive. Like, There are high stakes already in sort of the adventure world uh, which makes some of those specific activities really memorable because of the adrenaline that happens you know in those situations you can raise the stakes and create that sort of a fun adrenaline heart pumping situation without the actual danger <laughs> even just at home in your living room before i move on from this one i just have to say this is one of my favorite ways to give a gift that is a gift of experience. That you feel like, ah, oh, what do I do if it's just like a gift card or it's not something they can open and play with right away. A lot of parents feel like, I, I have a hard time thinking of how I could give my kids a trip or like a national park pass to go hiking because they're not going to be able to experience it right then. My uh, advice is to create an experience around the gift itself in the moment. So for example, when we gave our kids a vacation for Christmas, well, we have many times, but the very first time, I've shared this before, but it exemplifies this raising the stakes. We they they just there was just a note under the Christmas tree and the note was the first note in a scavenger hunt. And so instantly, rather than, you know, opening up and seeing what was there for them to play with, they were in a game. And they had to figure out where did this lead. You know, what was the, the what did the clue lead to? And then they ran and found the next clue, and then they found the next clue, and they found the next clue, and then when they got back, you know, after maybe twenty minutes of being in a game that we had created for them, they opened up the box and there was this long paper chain. So you can create an experience around a gift of experience, which then that experience itself, like the the receiving of the gift becomes part of the gift which is really really fun we're doing something similar this year don't tell my kids this year on christmas morning they are going to get a map a treasure map and they're going to have to figure out how to using their treasure map and the first clue get all the way around the neighborhood to the treasure box which inside it will have our family christmas gift which is a gift of experience that we're so excited to share with them that will actually last all through the year 2021 they won't be opening a bunch of presents right there under the tree on christmas morning they will wake up and jump into a real life treasure hunt game experience which i'm sure will be so fun and so memorable and magical for them and even just as i'm sitting here recording i haven't finished all of the details for it and i'm, I'm thinking oh yeah okay Number one, like how am I going to boost the senses so that the treasure hunt itself has some fun? You know, how can I include some music or some drama, something to make it, uh, to enhance the experience even further? Okay, so number three, the third way that I'm going to share with you today to create a memory that lasts is to break the script. Break the script. There are so many things in our lives that just happen expectedly. There's a prescribed context and situation and we just know what's going to happen because this is the way that things happen. You remember when something about that feels different. A few years ago, I was reading in one of my Barefoot Contessa cookbooks, and Ina Garten, who I just love and think is so great, she shared this idea. Now, I love reading these books. I don't actually use the recipes very often, but I think that her ideas around gathering and hosting are just really fun. And one of the things that she recommended was in order to make a dinner party more memorable – break the script. If you're having your boss and his wife over for dinner, the expected thing to do would be to have a really nice, fancy-ish dinner, you know, a sort of made-to-impress sort of meal. So have like a build-your-own taco bar, something that feels so unexpected, it will create conversation, it will create some some liveliness in the, in the party itself. She use the opposite example as well if you're having your good friends over that like come over all the time they expect to have a barbecue with like hot dogs and hamburgers so have a really fancy like dress up meal and have candles on the table and break the script make it feel different than what everyone is expecting that will be memorable I've shared this story on the podcast again too. I need to think of some more stories, friends. Uh, in case you missed it, this is a fun one. When I was when I had my first birthday after Dave and I got married, my mother in law gave me a gift of a hundred one dollar bill pad. So I don't know if they even do these anymore, but in the banks you can go get dollar bills that are all stuck together still, like it's like a pad of money, and like a notepad where you're like pulling these crisp 1 dollar bills off and they're like tearing at the top like like the little glue strip you know and she told me that you know she wanted me to be able to have my own pocket change and that sometimes th- figuring out the coordination of of marriage and money and feeling like you know we didn't have very much money we were in school and and trying to figure out how to just like make our rent let alone you know go out to eat or things like that she uh, she she it was this really special way for her to give me um, I mean, a very generous, lovely gift, but also it was so unexpected. I mean, it wasn't like a Visa gift card. It wasn't a check for $100. It wasn't a $100 bill. Uh, all of which, you know, it's the same. Like if you think of the value, the value is the same. She gave me a bank-issued notepad of $101 bills all stuck together. It was so unexpected, so fun, so different, and just felt like very a, a little bit random in the best way. One of the people who I admire, who I feel like often breaks the script in the types of events that she throws is a woman online. You may or may not be familiar with her. Her name is Jordan Fernie, and she for years and years ran a blog called Oh Happy Day. I think she's just revitalizing it. But one of the things that Jordan Fernie is really good at are these meals all fresco. So just she'll like take a table To the middle of anywhere like on a beach somewhere or like on a bridge in San Francisco or underneath an overpass I mean she's done these outdoor meals with just friends like she will just throw a dinner party anywhere outside and brings like nice tablecloth and candles and and plates and sets it all up and has like you know a crock pot full of hot soup that everyone gets served and there's so many kind of tricky logistics that go into this but I think the idea is so fun and of course so memorable and years ago based on the inspiration that I had from watching Jordan Fernie throw these incredible meals outside I decided to try something similar and so one of my friends had a big birthday coming up and I invited everyone to this surprise outdoor uh, sort of like camp themed party, dinner party, and We did this. Like I hauled, I had some help, and my friends and I hauled these tables, chairs, tablecloths, decorations, a big cooler full of drinks, uh, food. We got takeout from a local restaurant and had the food all hauled out there. And then my friend had no idea, and so I invited her over to go on a hike in the nature preserve behind our house in Texas, and we started walking along the trail. And all of a sudden, we stumbled upon, you know, this is like half mile from anything, in the middle of this sort of desert forest, we stumble upon this this dinner party that was just sort of out in the middle of of nowhere and it was so fun and so memorable and so different because it was just completely unexpected. I've shared before how most of our Thanksgiving meals are n- totally non-traditional and that has become why Thanksgiving feels so memorable to to us and our family because for the most part, we're not doing a traditional Thanksgiving gathering. We're hiking to the top of a mountain and having a Thanksgiving picnic. We've had Thanksgiving on the beach. We've taken our kids to the grocery store and invited them to choose their favorite frozen dinner and heated them up in the microwave of a condo while we were on a a staycation. Sometimes it is the totally unexpected, totally random uh, flipping the script on what you think is going to happen that becomes the most memorable. I also love this final one, this number three, because I think it releases us of some of the pressure that we put on ourselves to have everything be a certain way all the time. What if we very intentionally did it completely different than anyone else? What if we chose to just throw out the window what the expectation is for this trip or this party or this dinner or this birthday or this holiday. And we went so rogue that people didn't even know what was happening anymore. (laughs) I mean, I kind of love the freedom in saying all of these traditions – Are optional. And if I love them and they're so dear to me and they just lift me up and bring me joy, then yes, I would love to include them in my life. And if they don't, if there's any sort of like stress or obligation or heaviness associated with some of the things that we just do on script all the time, maybe it's time to boot those out the door and do something totally unexpected and know that that will actually enhance the experience that it will actually make it more memorable more magical and more fun as i was preparing for this episode i came across a quote uh, just sort of an anonymous quote online that i thought was so funny and so applicable here uh it it, this is the quote beware the soul-sucking force of reasonableness (laughs) beware the soul-sucking force of reasonableness Sometimes we just want to be reasonable. We just want to uh, follow along doing the thing that we've always done and just sort of living this day after day after day existence and then just wondering why things aren't standing out or why don't we feel inspired? Why don't we feel creative and and excited and enthusiastic and, and joyful about the lives that we're leading? We can engineer and create memories that last. And we can do that through knowing that most of the details are irrelevant the very best and the very worst are what we want to pay attention to try to fill in those pits and build up those peaks the ending has this certain weight so try to pay attention to the endings and consider the endings uh, Number one, boost the senses. Number two, raise the stakes. And number three, break the script. These are three ways that you can create memories that last within your family, within your relationships. Give it a try. Choose one to experiment with this upcoming season and let me know how it goes. I love sharing these ideas because I think that the message that we often receive and some of us just internalize is that the way to make things more memorable is by buying more, by spending more, by making things more shiny, more new, more expensive, stretching ourselves beyond what feels comfortable in order to like prove something. That's not necessary. You can create incredible memories and really wonderful enlivening experiences just by making a couple little intentional tweaks, adding a dose of creativity and whimsy. I hope that this has been helpful for you. I hope that you enjoyed a little trip down your own memory lane and that as you think back on those memories that you thought of at the beginning of the show, that you're able to see what, what was it that made that so memorable and identify some of the things that you can incorporate into the memories that you're creating with your family this season in
0: order to make them lasting. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Practically Happy. And I hope it's given you some ideas on how to create more lasting memories this season. Some future memories that I'm already anticipating with excitement are the ones that will be formed on my women's trip to Turkey coming up in July of 2024. Registration is open. The spots are filling. It's about a quarter, just over a quarter full right now. If you want to come Join with me to explore Turkey with an amazing group of like-minded women. Head over to the link in the show notes to see all the details and register for the Discover Turkey adventure. I'll check in with you next week, same time, same place. Until then, I hope that the tips from today will help you have a holiday season that's even more practically happy than before. Bye-bye!